several years back when I was working uh, back home in Massachusetts as a rental agent, I asked a, a coworker uh, this question. I asked, who is a neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And she kind of looked at me with a puzzled look on her face, wondering why I was asking her such a question out of the blue. And so I asked her again. I said, who is your neighbor? She thought about it for a while, and she was kind of embarrassed. She didn't know how to answer the question. She says, I don't know. And then she said, well, is it, is it someone who is near you? Is it someone who lives next to you? She honestly didn't know how to answer that question. Is it someone who is near you? Is it someone who lives next to you? That's how she responded. Was she right in answering that question that way? If someone were to ask you, who is your neighbor, how would you answer that question? Is that even the right question to be asking? If it's not, why not? Could such a question reveal something about the heart of the one who asks it? Fortunately for us today, someone asked Jesus that very question. And we find it in the passage we're going to look at this morning, which is in the New Testament, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. It is the, one of the most well-known parables that Jesus ever gave. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles... You can turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. I'm going to read the passage. You can follow along, or you can just simply listen. Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He sent him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, he, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the 
lawyer said, he who showed him mercy on the, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And again, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would speak to us as we hear it. May your spirit uh, do a mighty work in our own hearts and minds so that we can be the people that you have called us to be here on this earth. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So here we see Jesus, to give this story background, Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem with his disciples. And the theme in which this story takes place is that the the author Luke is talking about discipleship. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to be followers of Jesus, how they ought to live and how they ought to speak and what they ought to do as followers of Jesus. And in the context of this discipleship teaching, the author Luke gives us the account of the parable that Jesus gives this lawyer that we call the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as Jesus is leading his disciples going to Jerusalem, there's a certain individual, a lawyer, someone who is an expert in the law, decides to stand up and test Jesus by asking Jesus a question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question. In other words, what he's saying is, how can I be sure I will be saved in the final resurrection? That's his question. Now keep in mind, this is a lawyer, someone who is an educated individual, someone who is thoroughly uh, familiar with the Old Testament. He was a scholar, an interpreter of the Old Testament, a teacher of the Old Testament. And he's asking Jesus a fundamental question among rabbis during this time period. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So here's a scholar, an educated person who should know the answer to this question because it was a fundamental question in that day. And he poses this question to Jesus. And Jesus responds to such a test by saying, well, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? In other words, you're a scholar. You're, you're a, 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 you have a bright mind. You're educated in the Old Testament. You should know the answer to your question. Why are you asking me this question? What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? What's your interpretation of it? What's your understanding of that? What's your understanding of that answer to your question? Well, the man, the, 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 the scholar, the, the lawyer, the expert in the law is all too eager to show Jesus how much he knows about the Old Testament. And so he gives Jesus an answer. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so this expert in the law quotes two passages of the Old Testament, the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and he quotes Leviticus 19, 18, concerning loving your neighbor neighbor as yourself. 
So what, the, what he's saying is this. Jesus, the answer to the question is love. What must someone do to inherit in eternal life? The answer to the question that the uh, scholar says to the that the scholar replies to his own question is love. You must love. Love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus responds by saying, you have answered rightly. If you do this, you will live. In other words, if you love, you will live. This was the issue that this scholar, this religious uh, expert in the law had. His problem was not what he knew. It was what he was failing to do. He knew the truth, but he wasn't living it in the area of love. And Jesus says, you must do this. Because the man said, what shall I do? Jesus says, do love and you will live. But the lawyer, the expert in the law, is not done with his questioning. And in verse 29, he says, wanting to justify himself, he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? There's the question. Who is my neighbor? It's the same question I asked the, the, the woman in my office a couple of years ago. Is there something wrong with this question? There is something wrong with the question. Maybe not the question itself, but it does reveal the heart of the questioner. Well, what's wrong with the question? Or what does this question reveal? The question, who is my neighbor, implies that there are certain people that are not his neighbor. And if they're not his neighbor, then he's not required by law to love them or to show them any love. This question reveals a heart that desires to place boundaries or limits on the law of love, which God gave his people. And Jesus recognizes, as he often does, when people pose questions, he goes right to the heart of the matter. And Jesus wants to correct this man's thinking. And he does so very, very shrewdly and very wisely. He doesn't confront this religious expert in the law by confronting him and saying, wait a minute, you're, you're not, your thinking is not right here. He doesn't do that. He takes a, a, a more indirect approach by dealing with this lawyer by telling a story. This is the conversation and the backdrop to the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells. He wants to illustrate to this questioner, to this intellectual giant in his day concerning the law, where he is erring in his thinking. And so he's going to tell a story about a man who was a Samaritan. And this is what Jesus says to the person. This is what Jesus says to the, to the religious uh, expert in the law. He says, There was a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. Now, it's interesting. 
the, the, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about a 17-mile length road. And it, um, it was a very steep drop going from Jerusalem, which was about 2,600 feet above sea level, to Jericho, which was about oh, 800 feet below sea level. So in 17 miles, you're dropping well over 2,000 feet. And so Jesus tells that there's a certain man who walks down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and this man fell among thieves. Jesus doesn't identify the man at all. It's not important who the person is. He just says it's a certain man who fell among thieves. He was stripped of his clothing. He was wounded. And then after doing this to the man, those who did this, the robbers left him half dead. That's the condition and the situation of this individual, which was a very true-to-life experience in, uh, in that day. This would have been a very likely uh, scenario for it was robbers and bandits would often hide in the rocks along this road and, and attack and assault and rob people as they journeyed on that path. So when the religious leader hears Jesus tell the story, he knows this is a reality. Jesus this is just making this up. It was true to life. Jesus continues in verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when the priest saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now here, the religious leader whom Jesus is speaking to would have said, well, in this situation, a priest who served in the temple, who was a fellow Jew, would have been a likely candidate to show the love of God when he saw this man lying half dead, naked. The priest was the one who, again, served in the temple. It was the priest who would have been a paragon of piety in the eyes of this lawyer. But Jesus says, this man whom you would have expected to show love does not. He simply walks by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, excuse me, verse 32, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. A Levite was an assistant to the priest, if you will, who also served, didn't have as high a position as a priest, but was known for their piety and service of God. Again, to the, to the lawyer, this would have been a person who would have most certainly helped a person who was in need by showing him love. But this Levite, all he does is come and look and pass by on the other side. But then Jesus continues and says, but there was a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was. Now, of course, if you're a lawyer and you're listening to Jesus tell this story, to hear the term Samaritan would have made your skin crawl. For the Jews and the Samaritans did not see eye to eye. They had a long history of conflict. Uh, the Samaritans and Jews had theological differences between them. The Jews were worshipped at Jerusalem at the temple, where it was the only place where legitimate worship could be practiced. The Samaritans set up a rival place of worship on Mount Gerizim. And so they had theological differences. The Samaritans would have only seemed, would have only viewed the first five books of the Old Testament as legitimate and authoritative. 
The Jews would have considered not only the law as authoritative, but the prophets and the writings of the Old Testament. So there were differences, a lot of hostility. And of course, Jesus intentionally uses the Samaritan as an example here in the story to make, to challenge this Jewish scholar. And it's this individual that Jesus is going to use as an example of what love without boundaries looks like. What does love without boundaries look like? The Samaritan is going to show us what neighborly love is. Love without boundaries. A love that knows no bounds will always be moved to action when one sees a need. Verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. The first thing the Samaritan does when he sees the person in need is he has compassion. And compassion will always be moved to action when one sees a need. That is exactly what the Samaritan does. It reminds me of Jesus when he came across a funeral possession in the city of Nain. And as he does so, he has compassion on the widow who had lost her son. As a result of Jesus' compassion, he was moved to action. And in this particular case, his action was to raise the, the widow's dead son to life. Whenever we see a need, regardless of who has the need, whether we have theological differences with the person or not, whether they're a part of the same Christian denomination or not. A love that knows no boundaries will always be moved to action when one sees a need. Always. The Samaritan gives us and demonstrates this in his own life as he is moved to act on behalf of the person he does not know as he lies there bleeding half dead. Secondly, a love that knows no bounds will always be present with those who are in need. Verse 34a. So he, the good Samaritan, went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Isn't that interesting? He went to the man. The good Samaritan went to the person who was in need and was present with the person who was suffering. A love that knows no bounds will always be present with those who are suffering. Whether you are physically present with them or just simply being present listening to the person who's complaining about their life situation. We are so tempted to not be present when people are speaking to us we're oftentimes calculating what we're going to say as a response as they speak, and we know are no longer present. A love that knows no bounds will always be present with those who are in need. I remember, I recall a, a commercial. It's a, an insurance company that has a little jingle. It's State Farm. And their slogan goes something like this, and, and like a good neighbor, 
State Farm is there. State Farm is present. What are they saying? We're here for you in your time of need. They have captured in their slogan what the Good Samaritan had embodied in his own person as he attended to this person's needs. A love that that does not have limits and boundaries, a love that knows no bounds, will always be present with those people who are in need. Thirdly, a love that knows no bounds will always be prepared to make sacrifices for those who are in need. Verse 34b, And he sent him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. This is what this man does. Now, the significance of the animal. Why does he have the animal? Why does the Samaritan have this animal with him? This would have been an animal upon which he rode personally, or it was used to carry his own belongings. Either way, this act shows that he was willing to sacrifice his own personal comforts for the sake of the other, for the sake of the one in need. A love that knows no bounds, a love without boundaries, will always be prepared to make sacrifices for those who are in need. Are we willing to make sacrifices for the sake of the other? It's going to be a commitment. It's going to require sacrifice. And this man was willing to do that. Sacrifice his own animal or his use of his own animal for the sake of the one who is in need. Maybe he left his belongings right there and just left them on the road and put the man on the animal and brought him to the inn. Well, number four, a love that knows no bounds will always be willing to take risks on behalf of those who are in need. Keep in mind that this is a very dangerous place where this Samaritan is caring for the person who is hurting. The reason why he was hurt, that is the the individual who was assaulted, was because there were bandits and robbers who had beat him and robbed him. There's no indication that the robbers who have assaulted this man had left. They could, they could still be there, or there could have been other robbers who could have assaulted the Samaritan and taken any possessions or any belongings he may have had that were on his animal. The fact that the Samaritan was willing to take care of this man in such an environment shows that he was willing to take a risk on behalf of those who were in need. A love that knows no bounds will always be willing to take risks on behalf of those who are in need. So what risks this morning would you be willing to make on behalf of those who are in need around you? And number five, a love that knows no bounds will always be willing to pay a price to help those who are in need. Verse 35, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. The man was clearly, the Samaritan man was clearly willing to pay a price to help the person who was in need. 
paying a price and sacrifice go hand in hand. Love without boundaries is willing to pay whatever price is necessary to help those who are hurting and suffering around us. That is love without boundaries. And that's what the Samaritan does. After Jesus tells this story, Jesus then asks the question to the scholar, to the lawyer. After he tells the story in verse 36, Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer said, he who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said to him, then you need to go and you need to do likewise. Did you see how Jesus changed the lawyer's initial question? He flipped it. From the Christian point of view, the appropriate question to ask is not to say to someone else, who is my neighbor, but to ask oneself, who am I being neighborly to? When someone asks you, who is your neighbor, the Christian response should be, I am a neighbor to anyone who is in need. A neighbor is someone who loves without boundaries. It is interesting to observe that Jesus demonstrated every one of these points, every one of these truths in expressing his boundless love for you and for me. For when he saw the desperate need of humanity because of our sin, he was number one, moved to action. He showed compassion by sending his son into the world. When he saw human beings in need, he responded with compassion and his compassion moved him to action. And what did he do? He became number two, he was present with us. He became present with us. Jesus dwelt among men. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. He is present. Thirdly, Jesus risked his life and made himself vulnerable during his earthly ministry as he ministered to, to his contemporaries. He risked his life and made himself vulnerable in his earthly ministry. Fourthly, Jesus sacrificed himself for our sakes. He risked his life, made himself vulnerable, sacrificed himself for us, and finally, in his sacrifice, he paid the price to meet our need, to meet our deepest spiritual need. Jesus was instructing this lawyer, this expert in the law, who had tremendous amount of knowledge, but wasn't doing what he needed to do. The lawyer in his question was attempting to put a boundary around the law of love. And Jesus says, no, we ought to love without boundaries. And we ought to love without boundaries because the one who died and rose again set us an example by which we ought to love. This is what love without boundaries looks like. It moves to action, is present with us, it takes risks, it's willing to sacrifice for the sake of others, and is willing to pay the price to help others in need. 
And if we truly want to be Jesus' disciples, then we must be willing to do the same. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Oh Lord, we do know and recognize that we do uh, live in a, in a hurting world. And the amount of uh, suffering and the needs that we have are, are truly massive. And if we truly felt the weight of them, we would be crushed. It only brings to mind the, the amazing fact and truth that you bore the whole of humanity's suffering and sin on you being an example to us of what it means to truly love in a broken, fallen world. Lord, we just pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to the hurts and the needs and the sufferings of those around us. And that you would help us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to be moved to action, to be present with those who are hurting, to be willing to take risks for the sake of those who are suffering, to be willing to sacrifice for others, and to pay the price for those who are hurting. Be willing to pay such a price. Help us to do that, Lord. And when we are faithful in doing so, we will demonstrate that we are your disciples. For greater love can no one show to anyone else than to lay down one's life for your friends. And so, Lord, we may not be asked to lay down our lives for others literally, but we can lay down our lives and our desires and our temptation to always put ourselves first for the sake of the other. Help us to do that. And when you do, we'll give you thanks and praise because we know ultimately it's because of you that this is made possible. May all glory and honor and praise and majesty be yours and yours alone for all eternity. Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our closing song today is Because He Lives. Let us worship together. Loving without boundaries. It's a difficult thing to do. The heart is deceitful above all things and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I wonder if the lawyer was aware of his own heart condition when he posed such a question. I don't know if he did or not, but if we truly want to love without boundaries, we need to allow the Lord to do a mighty work in our own hearts and minds and help us to bring attention to our own uh, failures and faults in our own lives and our unwillingness to love as Jesus loves. May God do a mighty work in your heart and in your minds and your spirits as in mine as we attempt to show the love of God that has no limits to a world that desperately needs it. And if there is ever a time, today is and now is the time. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may he bring you safely home today and be safe the rest of the week. God be with you all. Amen.